Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to Basketball Conference, the ACC Football Podcast. My name's Joey Weaver. He's Mike McDaniel. Mike, team recaps, roll on, and we got a timely one tonight. Uh, how are you? Tell me. Tell us about who we got. Good. Uh, Dan. Ru- We're just going to get right into it. Dan Rubin, bceagles.com. He was supposed to join us last night. He asked politely to push, which I understand. Joey and I went ahead and recorded anyway because, of Something course, happened? Jeff... Jeff Halfley uh, decided that he was going to be the defensive coordinator of the Green Bay Packers instead of coaching in Chestnut Hill anymore. So I understand, Dan. You know, it, it, this kind of stuff happens. I, so we I asked really for 24 we hours a day. Um, I was really only asking for 24 hours because of last night as everything was breaking. I had my kids like jumping all over me. So I was like trying to figure out what was going on while simultaneously simultaneously watching the episode of bluey that i've seen like 93 million times over so it was it was a real weird kind of night because i also hadn't been home the night before so i was getting the daddy i snuggle with you and i'm like okay but we have stuff going on and i have to play dad and i have to be a good dad and two two children so things got real weird real fast in the ruben household yep can understand that man our discussions are very different than they were when this podcast started like eight years ago Oh, eight years ago, I'd have been talking about how I was pouring myself a glass of fine liquid libation over what, yeah, over what happened and being like, I can't, I I, I can't talk right now, guys. It's, it's a Wednesday. (laughs) So Dan, let's, let's do this. Let's, let's talk about 2023. We, We do need to recap the season, talk about kind of what happened. It was, it was an interesting noteworthy year for Boston college in, in a couple different ways, I think. But then, obviously, we we got to get your take on what's going on here. Uh, you know, your your reaction with Jeff Halfley leaving, and uh, kind of where do you think Boston College goes from here? But we let's start with twenty twenty three. The Eagles finished seven and six. They were six and six regular season, beat SMU in the bowl game. Um, I, I I look at this and I think back on it and some of the discussions that Mike and I had, and I feel like this was a season that you could really see whatever you wanted to in it. You could see that they won a lot of close games and and see that they made a bowl game and and they fought through adversity and all that and think it was a really good season. You could also see that they won a whole bunch of games by one score, say that they got lucky and say that they are lucky it wasn't any worse than it was. And so I guess I, I'm curious to see, first of all, do you agree that you kind of see what you want here? And in your mind, was this season at six and six, was it a success for Boston College? Well, I mean, I think you could see whatever you want to see anyway. Like, I think that's kind of the the point of any season in general is that you can take whatever you want from it and and determine who you want to see and and what players you want to see and how it works out and criticize or or, or lavish love on the coaches and and everything that goes along with it. I think you could see that in in, in any way, shape, or form. My my big thing has always been what how do you get to your record if you're a if you're a good football team that just has an extraordinary string of bad luck and you wake up and you're going, well, how the heck did we go four and eight? We were, you know, we were tight with Florida state. We were tight with Louisville. We were tight with, with everybody. Then, you know, you could just as easily see a team that opens up a season eight. No, and is a paper eight. No. And we've seen plenty of them. So I think you take whatever you want to take. So when I look at the season, I see, a team that grew a lot over the course of the year and, and, and going back to the start of the season, the first two, three game, first two games, two and a half games, everybody at BC always made a big deal about what happened in the second half against Florida state. And, and you only lost that game by two, but you were coming off an overtime loss against Northern Illinois in the first game of the season when you were rotating quarterbacks because you weren't sure what you had. And, and I know before the season, when I sat with you guys and I, I made this comment, uh humble brag to Mark Packer, 
on ACC Network. But I, I made the comment, which was Emmett Moorhead's your quarterback, but you're bringing in a transfer in Tommy Castellanos to try and push him and make sure that Emmett's the guy, and you have to try to get him to that next level. I think that Northern Illinois game, he didn't he didn't quite get to that next level. And, and to a degree, he maybe wasn't given a full opportunity to get to that next level because Tommy Castellanos was such a unicorn and such a unique uh, weapon that you, you rolled with him going into Holy Cross after that. It wasn't necessarily that Emmett was a bad quarterback or didn't have a handle on the offense, but you were almost operating two completely different offenses. You had your pocket passer looking downfield, and then you had your more option spread and, and RPO, and it got Kai show going, and it worked with the offensive line. So you, know, you had that, and, and you barely beat Holy Cross, which, by the way, was phenomenal for a two-hour Lightning delay at the end of the fourth quarter when Holy Cross was receiving a, uh, a, a a kickoff. So you came back and you literally played like a minute 18 after a two-hour rain delay, which, by the way, the game was flying so fast in that first quarter. I texted my wife and said, I should be home for bedtime and dinner. Like, this is going to be awesome. And then there was the lightning delay, and I, I saved the text messages, and there were a lot of bad words that were used in my <laughs> – a lot of bad words used in my direction that day. Uh, but starting with the Florida State game, and, and Louisville was kind of a throwaway game too when you look at the result. Like When I say throwaway, it's because after Louisville, this team went on a run and, and united around Castellanos – became a real football team in every sense of the word. And yeah, they had a few cardiac games in there. Uh, the Army game was was one where it just was a monsoon. And I think Castellanos might have run the might have thrown the ball eight times in that game. It was real, real 1940s style game in the rain. Uh, so that's why you wind up in a three point game. When you look within context, turnovers, wherever it was, playing at the dome, you know, the at Syracuse, which is always a depressing place to play for for a number of reasons it's just one of those places where bc has never has i think had two or three good games in the 30 years that i've been watching this team uh you lose to pittsburgh which was inexplicable at the time and and kind of everything that goes along with it you saw that the inconsistencies were okay because of where the, you took the good with the bad you took the bad with the good and then you played a phenomenal game in the bowl game and beat a nationally ranked SMU team at home, for lack of a better term, at Fenway. Uh, crowd was full of BC fans. You know, you had, it was, you know, the stadium's smaller at Fenway than it is at home at, 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 at Alumni Stadium. So it was a good season. I would have called it a success because it ended with hardware and it ended with, you know, Castellanos getting a sweet silver bat, as did Cam Arnold when they were MVP, offensive, defensive MVPs at the, uh, at the bowl game, a great experience. And, and you look to the future and things were looking incredibly bright. I still think they're looking incredibly bright, but you know, now you're, you're throwing a slight monkey wrench into the equation. And this goes back to what I said at the beginning of the season, which was everybody was saying, ah, oh, they're going to win nine games. They're going to win 10 games. Well, how'd you predict that Louisville was going to be that much of a wagon at, at times this year? And not only that, but how do you predict you're going to go on a five-game winning streak? How do you predict losing to Northern Illinois with everything that took place? So I think 2023, in many ways, left meat on the bone. It also was a successful season that set up, uh, you know, the future, which became a little bit more uncertain this week, for lack of a better term. I uh, 
got into it with members of the Boston College fan base on a couple different occasions this year. Doesn't sound I, like you at all. Th- that doesn't. No, I'm, I'm generally pretty mild-mannered on social media, especially. Yes. But uh, I, I got into it with a few members of the Boston College fan base because, you know, what I was calling out was, and it's this is like the eye of the beholder thing, but what I was calling out was, look, like, BC's defense is kind of doing this, right? They're kind of doing this whole roller coaster thing, especially in the middle of the year. Even when they went on that win streak, it was like this defense is going through spurts during these games where it just feels like they really can't stop anybody. And it's kind of inexplicable because then they turn around and they'll put together a few possessions where all of a sudden they look like one of the more competent defenses in the conference. I look at the Jeff Halfley departure now, which we'll get into in detail later, but I look at the Jeff Halfley departure now, and I'm starting to wonder, like, what does the defense look like moving forward? Because I think Castellanos, right, assuming he stays, which it sounds like he's going to, yes, I think that the future is really, really bright offensively. I wonder, the Boston College defense, which has been historically over, you know, the successes they've had as a football program, they've been able to lean on that defense. Now I kind of look at it as, like, you're losing that defensive-minded head coach. We'll see what they look to next. But, like, that's my biggest question for BC going into 24. It's like, what does that defense look like? Because Castellanos is the real deal. Like, he is a good player. If BC figures out consistently on the defensive side of the ball, I think that's how the Eagles take the next step. Do you agree? I think so. And I, I think the the interesting thing about the defense or or kind of the history of BC is that they've always been really good in certain areas and then just seem to miss one, one spot. Like one spot seems to be uh, uh, a bit an issue for lack of a better term, but definitely an issue. So even going back to the, you know, all the way back to Tom O'Brien, they were built on the, the axioms of in the core tenets of being able to run the football having a strong offensive line that lets them run the football and control the clock. And because of that, it forces an opponent, it shortens the game, it forces an opponent to do some silly, stupid things on offense, which the defense capitalizes on with a nasty front and a defensive backfield that can cover. And and you always have that one lockdown cornerback and one defensive back who could run through you and put his helmet directly through your your pads and finish violent was what, was what Jeff Affley used to say. Uh, and then you'd have safeties that – you know, could shift up and do the right and and do the right thing. And and there's guys through the years that kind of passed the torch that when you looked at the defense this year and, and over the last maybe 10 years was there was something that was maybe missing, whether, you know, you go back to even 14 or you go back to, you know, forget the 2015 defense. That was a unicorn. That was that 2015 defense was, one, was arguably the best defense in college football history, given how bad the offense was playing back then. So that that 15 defense was, was, in my mind, the best defense in college football history for that reason. But you go back to like 16, 17, 18. All right, you get injuries, you have youth, you have inexperience at the linebackers. Now you have to fix the linebackers, but you have great defensive backs and a great front four. Well, then you graduate a defensive back, so now you're giving up the deep ball because you're developing guys on the fly. Now you got to develop the front. And so what wound up happening this year was you, you just never really got that three units together at once. And this year it was your linebackers knew how to tackle your defensive backs could cover and create turnovers. Your defensive backs could run through guys. If they needed to the safeties, they had tackle machines out in the safety position with, with transfers that came in and, and shifty guys like Cam Arnold who could play linebacker, play safety, whatever you needed them to do. Cole Batson, uh, 
you didn't have a pass rush and you, you didn't have sacks and you didn't get to the quarterback. And when you did get to the quarterback, it was late. And so that's one of those things that was this year, which got better over the course of the year, but you fell out of whack a bit. And that's always kind of been the MO. So moving forward, I think that's one of those things that whoever the next coach is, whoever the defensive coordinator is, whoever comes in to fix quote or, or take them through the next stage is now going to have to look at it and say, okay, how do we generate the pass rush while keep while now fixing the linebackers because you're losing your best tackler to you know, six year. He's, he's finally graduating. I mean, Vinny De Palma, I, th- I think he's got his AARP card already. So <laughs> he's he's gone. I mean, there goes your 100-tackle guy. So, uh, you know, we used to joke with him. It's like, hey, you came back for your sixth year. And he's like, yeah, not not, not getting here. Uh, he's like, I'm not leaving. Some of these guys were, were freshmen in high school when I was starting here or something. But So you lose him. So now you got to fix all this stuff. And when I say fix all this stuff, it's find the scheme and find everything that gets you through and – you know, it'd be easier to say that with a defensive coordinator who is coming back, but he had already left to Maryland as our Abdul Rahim that was, was associate head coach. He'd already left to go home to the DMV. Uh, so that wasn't necessarily losing him. It was him going home. I mean, he was going back to his home area, but now you lose your coach and you're saying, okay, it, it just adds that element. And when I say uncertainty, it's because we don't know what the scheme's going to look like next year. It's impossible to say there's going to be continuity. It's impossible because we don't even know what's going to happen by the time I go to bed in an hour. Like we we just don't know. So things could be things could be different. Personnel could be different. Everything could be different. And and that's kind of the 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 question mark that you have to ask when you're about to make your next hire is who can get you now through the next glass ceiling uh, that you know Jeff Halfley cracked on and Steve Adazio cracked on. Who gets you through that? He's the next hire. That's why we're doing this live. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, if uh, we waited, if you guys asked me if I wanted to wait to the weekend, if we waited to the weekend, uh, then the, the things that by the time people like listen to this in two days, it's going to be this is all going to be old anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, not not a good one to save for a couple of weeks to, to listen no. back on. Listen no. to this now. Um, Dan, I wanted to ask you, you alluded to the fact that you you mentioned in the preseason that this is Emmett Moorhead's team. He's going to be the quarterback and that lasted all of about the first half of, of game number one uh, before it seemed like it kind of became Thomas Castellanos's team in your mind. What uh, was that? How, how do we explain that? Was that just kind of letting the incumbent try to hang on to it? And, and then, you know, things weren't going well, bringing the back up and, Oh, look, this is working and just stick with that. Or was there a misevaluation somewhere or is, is Castellanos a, a gamer? He's better in a game than he is in practice. Like what's your, what's your evaluation of, of what happened there and, and how that switch happened? Well, he wasn't here. I think that was the problem was that Thomas Castellanos wasn't here in the spring. He didn't get here till the fall. So we didn't actually know from a media standpoint, I don't even think the team really knew what they were, what they had in, in him and how to game plan and scheme for him and, and his chemistry, because you were kind of operating on a month when you said, okay, this guy's good enough to take snaps in that first game. And, you know, look, I hate when teams rotate quarterbacks. I don't think it particularly works out well. I think it, it hurts guys in getting into flow. But by the same time, you had to throw him into that first game to know what you had. And you had to see, again, it was one of those things that I go back to in the preseason in the spring where I said, Emmett Moorhead really, you were, you were giving him the ball and saying, you're going to be pressured by this guy coming in 
can you take the the number one spot now if the offense had continued tracking down Moorhead's path again there, there's two very different offenses that he, that they were running with each mm-hmm. quarterback if it had continued to track down that path I think he might have been the number one guy he might have been able to solidify it the his the problem for him and the benefit for BC was that when they made the decision in that second game to go to Castellanos for the Holy Cross game and then the second half of, of Florida State was now you started to get the sense that the offense was tracking a different way and he got more time to, to practice with the ones, to work with the wide receivers. The fact that it was best wide receiver until he got hurt, Ryan O'Keefe, was um, – was they, they, they knew each other from Central Florida – so they, they had a bit of a chemistry. Lewis Bond started to develop with Thomas Castellanos. Uh, Dino Tomlin started to develop with Castellanos. So by the time you got into that winning streak, you had found an offense that had worked. And unfortunately for Emmett, it had tracked away from him. Now, when, when Castellanos got dinged up, you were able to bring him in. You, know, you bring him in for a series. You bring him in for a quarter. He, he comes off the bench and you're able to to move over to the other offense and move into the play sets with the, you know, the Venn diagram, what's in the middle that they can both run. And then you have the play specific to Emmett, but the offense had just become so dynamic. And then you're five games into playing with Castellanos and he's about to be one of the best, one of the best quarterbacks statistically you've ever had at that level as a sophomore. Uh, you know, a thousand yards as a quarterback and 2000 yards passing, which had never happened in program history. It, you're starting to see where the offense tracked and it just got away. And that's not a knock against Emmett. And that's not, I think he's, he's going to go and be a very good quarterback. He is going to win football games. He is going to make a name for himself. Uh, I think this is a great learning tool for him. I, I see the potential in there. Uh, it's just the offense got away from what he was doing with his strengths and and moved closer to Castellanos, who then became really a dynamic player in, in his own right and really took the job and, and made it his, and he made the offense his own. All right, Dan, now for what everybody has come here to listen to. Bean pot about. starts on Monday. Well, I'm ready to talk about it. Okay, all right. So that, that that's it. That's yes. why I brought you on. Yes. BUBC yes. is the third time they're playing. Number one, they were number one, number two in the country. I know this is what everyone's worried about. Basketball conference, the ACC hockey podcast. That's that's what we are. Um, yes. Let's start with this. And full disclosure, like you work for the university, right? So, I, what kind of job is is Boston College? And the reason why I ask this is because Joey and I were kind of discussing it last night in terms of we know that you can we were comparing it a little bit to Syracuse, right? You can win at Boston College in a way that you can't consistently win at Syracuse, right? Like the investment now, I think at BC is there at least on par with most programs in the ACC in terms of like they want this football program to to be relevant, right? But what kind of program is Boston College in terms of like long term projection, what coaches see in this job? Like, what does it look like, You do you think, in the marketplace? Well, I don't think we know what the marketplace is going to look like, number one. I, that's the, even as you say that, like the marketplace is not five years from now is going to look different. Marketplace, I mean, if you'd asked me this question last year, I, I mean, the marketplace is going to change next year. We're going to get three more teams. 
So none of which play in the in the uh, Eastern time zone. So I'm really looking forward to those nine and ten p.m. starts when you got to go to, you know. And I'm sitting here at one o'clock in the morning trying to write something up while my kids are sleeping. That's going to be really great. I I love that. <laughs> but the you know I I think there's a place in the market for a school like Boston College. And what I mean by that is you're not you can win at BC. It's been proven. And I think BC was in a position this year to, and is in a position to win for the future with its players. I also think the players that you have are not the same type of players that you're going to get anywhere else. And I don't mean that as a knock against them or knock against anybody else. It's just different. The academic side of it, the community service side of it, even, you know, BC being a Jesuit university and, men and women for others and in the community service and making a difference, the, you know, there's a really big component of that within the university that it, it is a big deal. And if you are going to come to BC, you're going to be challenged. You're going to be challenged academically. You're going to be, this is not a, ever going to be a place where you're just going to, you know, show up and, and be a football player. Like you're going to have to be a student too. And that's, and that's not for everybody. And that's fine. That's great. I think that's an awesome thing that that the school has that's unique, and and you don't see that as often, in in you know in sports in general. And I think that's awesome, and I think the school thinks it's awesome. The players who come here think it's awesome. The players who don't come here think it's awesome. The ones that it's not for, they they look at it and say that's great. It's just not for me, and that's totally fine. When it comes to kind of fomenting success at BC, it, for a while it was about lack of facilities. And for a while, it was about needing to invest and get the right things in place. They have the right things in place now. The facilities, yeah, you're not going to have a robotic locker, you know, that that spits you out a candy bar when you want it. Or so, I don't know. But you're but you never needed that here. You, you know, you, you, the, the field house has the ability to break down plays in real time. And it's perfect for football. Like, it's perfect if you're a football guy. Both both head coaches who have had the facility have said this place is great for football. Like it's it's a perfect football facility. Like what more could we want? And I think that is a part of being at BC where if you need all of that other stuff, then you're more than welcome to go find it where where you want to get it. And so when it comes to getting good players in, the facilities have now gotten on par with everybody else. And that is attractive for players and now it's attractive for coaches and you go back to when steve adazio was was let go and how they got jeff halfley jeff halfley was one of the top assistants and top guys on the market they got him and did it work out well you know results wise over four years before he left sub 500 overall record because of the one bad season covid you know everything we will never know if it would have worked out the way everyone wanted. I think the marketplace is going to change. And BC is in a unique position to, at this point, kind of redefine what's going to be the next stage for itself. And that's going to be what happens next. And that's how you become successful. And I think that's what's kind of paramount right now for the hiring process. Uh, but that's not anything that's inside information. That's th- that's what BC's always been about. and that's And that's a good thing. Like, that's a good thing for college sports. You know what you're Dan, getting. Yeah, yeah. Dan, when you, when you heard the news that 
this was happening, you know, a little over 24 hours ago on a scale from, I saw this coming from a mile away, not surprised whatsoever, all the way to had no, I never thought this would happen in a million years, like absolutely floored, stunned by it. Where would you say you fell on the scale of, you know, level of shock hearing about this, not only this kind of move, but now at this, at this particular moment in the calendar? February, yeah. The calendar time didn't necessarily bother me as much. Uh, the fact that you're losing your head coach and, and it, came, it literally came out of left field was one of those things that, you know, yes, it was like everybody else. I found out when everybody else found out and I was look and not that I'm entitled to find out sooner or later than anybody, but it was just one of those, you know, when it happened, I was sitting right behind me where I am with kids jumping on me and getting ready to put them to bed and all that other stuff and eat some dinner. And then it was like, wait, what? Like I got a text from someone. I wasn't even on social media. And when normally I get a text, I don't even have my phone on me. And I was like, wait, what, what what's going on? And then you're looking around and first it says like, all right, sources, and you know it's a Pete Thamel tweet, and you're sitting there going, "Boy, I hope this is wrong. Maybe his source has got it wrong. You know, maybe, did he spell it wrong? Maybe it's more like Hef Jaffley. I don't know. Like, <laughs> please get it wrong." And then the official release came out. Um, you know, because again, when you see something and it's being reported by sources, there's always that element of unknown, and that's not to impeach anyone's reporting, that's not to say oh, it's just, but there's always that element of, uh, you know, hopefully this doesn't turn out, maybe he got it wrong you know, that's until the release came out, the release came out, I think it was like five past eight, and then the formal release came out and the Packers announced it, and then you're like, okay, this is really happening, isn't it? I was floored, I really was, and because you know, I know from conversations with with Jeff Halfley, how much he really did love it up here, like really, really did love it. Loved the school, loved the area. You know, every time he talked about the area, he talked about it like great. Like you know, his family. He's got two kids. They, they settled in up here. Now you're you're upping and moving, and it was it was shocking. Like it's shocking to me, and and not that I'm like good friends with the guy, but like you you after four years of sitting in media, like you get an idea for how much a guy has a passion for a place and his players. And, you know, it had to really be the right situation to go. Now uh, there's, there's a lot of news that come out. Like I said, not to, not to dump on anyone's reporting by any stretch. Pete Thamel is way better at this than I am and way more accurate than I can ever be. But, you know, you hear the things about the NIL and all this other stuff. Look, one of my best friends has always said to me, there are 32 core at the end of the day. There are 32 coordinator positions in the NFL. There are 32 head coaching jobs. If you get the opportunity to go coach at the NFL level, you take it. Like that is you're a made like you're a made man. If you look at Pete Carroll, he was at USC. He got to, he got he went back to he went back to Seattle. At that point, he was a failed head coach. Now he's a Hall of Famer, and he's Some one of the greatest coaches there, of all yeah. time. Yeah, yeah. Now he's he's one of the greatest NFL coaches who have walked the planet because of what happened in Seattle, not because of what happened in New England. And so he gets the opportunity to go back, quote unquote, but it helps. You know what I mean? Like, so Jeff Halfley was an NFL guy. He was always an NFL guy. He came from the, he did coach in college. He came back to college. Brought that up last night. Brought that up last night. Yep. Joey brought that up. 
He mm-hmm. he coached for the Browns. He coached for the 49ers. He's done the life. He knows what it's expected. You know, I, I think back, and I know I was talking beforehand with you guys, and I've told this story a couple times, like, you know, the situation, if you say the situation had to be perfect, I think about the stories that came up and, like, okay, this actually wound up being the perfect situation. Like, when A.J. Dillon got drafted a couple of years ago, and um, Jeff Halfley had never coached A.J. Dillon, but he said, hey, Matt LaFleur is a friend of mine a good friend of mine. And I, and I think he's a great coach and he's going to do great things at green Bay. Green Bay just went to the playoffs. You know, they have a set offense that could lead that team. The NFL is going to be wide open unless you're the Kansas city chiefs, apparently. So, you know, you're off and running with the Packers and, and potentially like to win a super bowl with the Packers. Like that's, that's the Holy grail, man. Like that's it. And he has said to me before we were going to the Fenway bowl, on the record, he said it to me off the record again and just reiterated because I asked him afterwards, "Is like, Falf, was it really that cool? I said to him, I was like, what's your holy grail? My holy grail is Fenway Park. There's nowhere else I want to go. Like, hey, boom, I walk into Fenway Park. I'm a kid again. And he said, I've coached in every single NFL stadium except the new ones. Man, Lambeau was fun on a Monday night. I coached a Monday night game at Lambeau Field, and that was fun. And I remember we, we were done, and I was just like, is Lambeau, like, I've heard that. Is that really? He goes, it's amazing. It's an amazing place to, for football. You've just opened that up as an opportunity. You got to take it. Mm-hmm. You got to take it. And bear in mind, they just fired the defensive coordinator a week ago. So it wasn't like this was in the works in December. So couldn't have been. They were trying to win a Super Bowl. So, you know, they fire the defensive coordinator. A week later, he winds up being the guy. Look, it just stinks if you're a BC fan. It just really stinks. Yeah. I mean, you, you, you talk about his affinity for the Packers, or, or especially for Lambeau and for Matt LaFleur. And uh, I just imagine when, when the Packers got rid of their defensive coordinator, that wasn't maybe, maybe it wasn't a situation where Jeff Halfley was just like, huh, well, how about that? And then his phone rang. Uh, I think Jeff Halfley might have been the one making a couple phone calls, you know, hey, Matt. Uh, you need a you need a defensive coordinator. I heard. Uh, you know what's the thing? You know what's the thing that stinks? And this is the one thing I will say, kind of does stink about the whole thing. Is that we'll never know. Like we'll yeah. never know. Like it, it's all it's all speculation. So it, it, again, it goes back to what I was saying of if you want to see a, a success or not success. If if you think that the right if like I've heard, and I'll be honest, like okay, last year they should have been better, or last year was a tough year, whatever it was. If you think Jeff Halfley was leaving before, you know, fired himself, like I've heard that one thrown out there. Look, like I said, at the end of the day, there are 32 defensive coordinator positions. And in two years from now, if the Packers are in the NFC championship, you're, you're going to see a short list of names and of you're going to see a short list of names of coordinators who are going to be head coaches during on Black Monday. And he's going to be one of them if things go the way that he's kind of banking on right now. And there's a reason I, by the way, and Mike, I'll let you get a question in here in a second. There, there's a reason that I don't think that Jeff Halfley's name came up for other open defensive coordinator jobs around the NFL. Like, I think it's this one in particular was something for him, it seems like. So it, understandable why he why he ends up there. Hey, it's that's the that's the only thing I got. Like, it's it's best decision for him. And, and honestly, I agree. Yeah, I, I mean, the. The relationship with Matt LaFleur is something I was not privy to when we were talking last night. So that's that's new information to Joey and I, and that's why yep. we have you on this podcast. Um, the, the one thing I want to get in here is Boston College 
right? Like in in this in, in this kind of like this NIL era, right? We're in this situation now where you're seeing more and more head coaches at the college level take either coordinator jobs at bigger schools remaining at the college level, right? Or they're taking coordinator jobs in the NFL. Um, obviously, Jeff Halfley. We saw Chip Kelly this evening be rumored for the Washington Commanders offensive coordinator job. Matt Fortuna, he was a college football reporter, used to be at The Athletic. Obviously, a guy who's very tied in saying, hey, watch out for Chip Kelly at Boston College. What what I want to know from you, Dan, is ICBC is one of these schools, and I, and there are a million of them, right, where you're not a blue blood, but you're a successful program that gets good players, and you're a developmental program, most importantly, right? And when you develop good players in this NIL era, you have a tendency to maybe have those players poached, right? Jordan Addison is the example I used last night at Pittsburgh leaving to go to USC with Lincoln Riley. And that's kind of the first real high profile, like tampering incident, right? That was above board because we're in this like legal NIL, NIL era now. But we saw that happen. And all of a sudden, these middle of the road P5s, these up and coming G5 schools, all of a sudden become those kind of feeder type programs. And my question for you is, do you see BC as that kind of program? If so, what do you think BC should do next as far as a head coach is concerned? If you don't see BC as that kind of school, I'd just like to hear why and kind of your reasoning. But I'm just kind of curious as somebody who kind of you know walks the halls and is there on a daily basis. I do think that the NIL and transfer portal era is – we, I think we were actually, the, the three of us talked about this, I want to say a couple of years ago, and we are like, this is going to get strange. Like, we don't know what any of this is going to do. Like, we don't know the two, like, is it going to be rampant free agency? Is it going to be that? Like, I, I actually I actually think it was us that, that, that had that conversation. I don't know, I still don't know how it's going to impact everything and how it is impacting. I know at some point it's it's insane to think about the number of guys and that I think, what was it last year in basketball thousand to 2000 guys all entered the portal at the end of the year. Like, and, and I think the portal is a good thing. I really do. Because if you think you need to improve your standing and NIL is a good thing because players should be able to, to market themselves and, and make a little extra on, on their, on their name, you know, given, given the amount of money that floats around college football, I, I, in college sports at large. Like, I think it's a, I think both of them are very good things. I think the inequality kind of comes from what happens to guys who don't value that. And do they have to value that in order to make a name for themselves? And I think that's the question that can't be answered is, you know, how can you build a team in this era? Like in the, you know, can you do with the new England Patriots in the free agency area? in the free agency era in the NFL. Can you build a team built through recruiting that automatically, you know, I, I hear it, which is, oh, Jeff Halfley's gone. Tommy Castellanos must be gone too. Or, oh, these guys are going to be gone and this guy's going to be gone. And yeah, there's there's a period where they're going to be allowed to leave. But what you're hoping, if you're a Boston college, if you're, if you're a school like that, 
is that you again go back to what I was talking about about the about the the successful BC guy, the 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 concept of a BC football player. If you're coming to Boston College, you're hoping and you're expecting that the players who are here are committed to the university, are committed to the ideals, and are not the players who are just going to run and leave. And if they are the players who want to do that, that's fine. That There's nothing wrong with that. There really is nothing wrong with that if you're a guy who wants to seek better fortunes. Like, absolutely go for it. But I think that for every guy who wants to go and jump into the portal and cash in now, there's also a guy like a Zay Flowers who stuck around, had NIL deals on the table to go to bigger schools and said, no, I'm going to graduate from here because I made a promise that I would come here and honor my commitment. And when you're looking for a coach, I don't know if that's going to be your primary, but I know that as a university that has to be valued. And I know that because that's what you are. That's what you've always been. And you can't, you, you can't cheapen that. I don't want you to cheapen that as a fan, as a, as a fan of someone who's been coming to games. I want BC to be able to be the best of both worlds. And I don't think that it's a limitation. I think it's a design flaw maybe into the portal in the, in the NIL era, but I don't think it's a limitation to a school like Boston college. I think Boston college can develop, can be a development program has proven it can get guys into the NFL in the first round has proven it can get more guys into the first round than some of the so-called football factories and has proven that it can get guys to do things in the NFL short of fumbling the football in the fourth quarter of the AFC championship game. Uh, We don't need to talk about that, but short of that, who can do, who can do some really, really great things at the next level. So that's what you're looking for in your next coach is someone who can do that. Now, if you go back over time and I'm just going to go back to the last two hires, look for all of his, for all the people like to, to talk about Steve Adazio, he came into a two and 10 team and turned them into a bowl game and had them to within a game in a first quarter lead against Clemson. That's why going that's to why, the ACC championship. That's why Joey's trying to Greg Schiano him back to Chestnut Hill. <laughs> what, what's uh, what's Steve Adazio up to these days? He's not busy. Bring, it, bring, bring him back. Get the band back that's together. Right. What the hell but, else is he doing? But the second part of it is Jeff Halfley then transformed the program. And yes, they only went to one bowl game because of COVID, but he took it and kind of transitioned it into the next phase. And I think that the next hire is also, I mean, beat ranked teams. It's what you get. It's what you like. Everyone beat NC state during a year when you were bad or three win team and you beat a nationally ranked NC state team. Like you're, you're able to be that team. So your next hire, wherever it's coming from internal, external, can be that guy and that's the guy you're looking for is the guy who can do all of that look there's a there's there's a lot of good football coaches out there blake james is the athletic director i know he didn't wake up on monday thinking that this was probably going to happen this week I, I, i think that's an objective statement for all of us but now that he's here you can make that higher because you understand what boston college is i you talk about the bowl eligibility thing and it, it brings me back to a weird a, a weird quirk that I don't know that anybody else can say this by the way is that Boston College in their last six bowl games the record is two two and two because two of those six bowl games were canceled 
one for COVID and one for a lightning delay in the uh, the first responder bowl. So I just I, I was looking at that yesterday, and I, I loved that and felt like I needed to bring it up. Hey, you know, Deuce is wild. <laughs> Dan, when you think about when you you put yourself in Blake James' uh, shoes, you know, and and the, the decision that he's got to make here, and again. We're thinking about the the timing on the calendar and there's implications of guys going into the portal and you mentioned spring football starting where just speculatively if you were him or you know what do you think is going to happen in terms of does does Boston College just go for like a a stopgap internal one year let's see how it goes you know and, and then figure it out in December kind of hire is it go back to the well of another you know guy with NFL ties not only like Jeff uh Jeff Halfley but also like a Jeff Jagosinski Tom Coughlin you've had these guys associated with the program over the years is it go get another kind of coordinator unknown guy who's maybe never had a shot as a head coaching role like just generally do you have an idea of the profile of a kind of coach that you expect to uh, to go with here in the next coming days and weeks None that I'm aware of, but I know what I want. I want Bill Belichick. <laughs> That's what I want. I love, we, we I talked love about, Bill Belichick. We talked last night about how I need to I need to be a fly on the wall listening to Bill Belichick like giving the recruiting pitch to recruits parents. I, I need that like I need air to breathe, man. Like I need I need to see Bill's, what that looks like. Listen, Bill's a low key funny. Did, did anyone see him put that helmet on with that Army yeah, Navy? Game day, yeah. like, game day, yeah. he's, he's got a he's got a very quirky sense of humor. I mean, that is from what I understand, there are times that he would do things in press conferences and or that he would do things and like with Randy Moss in the Halloween, like he was like, Coach, you know we're gonna do the costumes. He goes, Yeah, man, it's Halloween. I'll be there. He showed up as a pirate. Uh but the, by the way, Joey, how upset were you upset that the Falcons didn't hire him? I was not upset that they did not hire him. That's fair. That's fair. Yeah. You apparently don't like winning. It's okay. Uh, but <laughs> I mean, the Patriots don't either. If they got rid of him, I just wanted him. I just wanted him so badly to sign a contract worth twenty eight point three million with the Falcons. That just was my, that was my like my opus of things in life. The uh, the thing on Twitter about you know the interview question of tell us about a time you overcame adversity yes <laughs> yeah. age old miserable uh, get me out of here um, the hire that I actually look at is um, and and when I say uh, everything's on the table like that's that's the one thing I'm going to go with and Blake James actually has experience here because the baseball team hired uh, Todd Interdonato. Uh, to be the head coach. They hired Todd Interdonato to be the head baseball coach in July. Uh, now you say, all right, what's July? July is is after is the middle of the summer. It's after it's the college baseball offseason, yada, yada. He, he came from Wofford where he had spent uh, a number of years and had 450 wins as a, uh, as a, as a head coach over like 15-odd years with Wofford. Very good baseball hire. Like very good baseball hire. Uh, it was late. Like it was a late hire. July for a baseball season. And that came after your previous coach was essentially poached by Penn state. Uh, and when I say poached, it was because you announced an extension for Mike Gambino after you go to the NCAA tournament. And then weeks after that happens, Penn state, I'd like to think basically gave him a guy like it, it who was a BC guy. And like, you had this the perfect coach for your program who is 
beloved. Like he's one of my favorite coaches I've ever dealt with in my entire life. Like I, I would go to war for the man and he had to have gotten a Godfather offer. Like if he'd have taken it, something like you got to take that same idea. You got to take that job with it, with, with the offer that was on the table. So you hire Todd Interdonato, which is a very good baseball hire late in the cycle. Cause now you're going to come back and get ready for fall ball within, within a month or two. Now you're kind of in the same boat with football, which is it's late. It's late in the cycle and you've got to find the right hire, but you can get it because you're Boston college. I think that's the key. People look at BC and they say, well, who's going to want to go there? The program's going to be a mess. They, they barely 500. Look at the, look, you're still a power five team. With we didn't say that. La- we did not. We did not say that last night. Did we Joey? <laughs> Not exactly. You could. We did not say that. Okay. You know, people, y'all, whatever the right term is, I'm going to break out a Southern term and go, y'all could say uh, that, you know, that's the case. Like, oh, we're late in the cycle and BC's this and, you know, oh, who wants to go work in New England and, you know, the ACC, look, Florida State's trying to leave the league and all this other stuff. Hey, how many power four conference jobs are there right now? And not only that, but you have one of the most dynamic quarterbacks who's announced he's coming back. And you have a team that you know is been put together with a number of guys who, look, if you have a little bit of attrition through the portal at this point, like that's that's natural because, you know, guys who wanted to play for a coach and maybe wanted to leave or whatever it was. But you look at what they were doing in the transfer portal before th- this happened. They were gearing up for a special season this year. And they were loading up on the transfer portal guys coming in and intentionally kept the recruiting class down so that they could get more experience and get more depth and get and work on things without having to turn into turn to freshmen who are inexperienced. So am I when if you're making the hire, you probably got a list of guys who want to come here. And I think that's something that people don't bargain for because it doesn't fit the narrative. But there are going to be people who want to coach at Boston College, and there's going to be a lot of them. Type of head coach. We we thinking like up-and-coming coordinator like Halfley? Are we thinking uh, a retread? I'm not talking about Dazio, Joey. Retread in terms of like he's been a coach at the P5 level before. Maybe he's a coordinator now, so I'm thinking like in the mold of like Bill O'Brien. Um are we thinking somebody just like totally off the map? Maybe somebody internal? Like we, we thinking that, you know, this is going to be a situation where because you're so late in the cycle, you decide that the continuity is important. Maybe there's a guy on Halfley's staff you feel like can, can step up and be that guy now, maybe a little bit ahead of schedule. Like what, what do you think BC is looking for in terms of their next head coach? I wish I knew. I really do. I really, really do, and I really wish I could spitball it. And and there's a part of me that wants to say, yeah, give you guys a name and be like, you know, hey, this would be my ideal uh, and try to set the internet on fire and try to wish it like when Mike and the Mad Dog got Mike Piazza traded to the Mets. Uh, like, I, I really want to try to find someone I could do that with. Uh, the only name I I that comes to mind is I, I don't have one. Like, I wish I did. Like, maybe if you ask me, like, I – I don't know, maybe we should have this again in like another 48 hours and maybe I'll be able to put together a list of names or something. But I've seen I've seen on The Athletic, I've seen a couple names that are interesting. The Athletic floated a couple names out there. Um, 
trying to remember who they were off the top of my head. The Bill O'Brien thing's interesting to me because, you know, he's, you know, that's the name I hear a lot and I hear that, but to a degree, I don't know if he's in the list. I don't know if he's even got interest. I don't know where his mind is. He just took that job out at Ohio state. And not only that, but you know, he's a guy who, you know, does he, does he want to be a college head coach or does he want to go back to the, the NFL at some point? Like those are, it's a really strange dynamic of, of guys and what they might want and what's personally best for them. You know, that I think that's going to dictate, you know, your, your talent pool and, and what you're going to, what you're going to call from. I, I don't, I wish I, I wish I had guys that I could call and be like, what do you got? You want to come here? And I just don't know. Like there's so many coaches out there that, was it uh, that someone's going to wind up? I mean, someone's going to be coaching them next year. It's not going to be me. I can rule that out. It's not going to be not going to be Scott Mutrin, who I host the podcast with uh, over at PC. He's a former quarterback. I don't think it's going to be him. <laughs> I was going to say kind of a Brian. Jeff Saturday situation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With with Bill O'Brien, I mean, that I feel like that's a name that these days has kind of a negative connotation with it, just with the way things ended with the Texans and just, I don't feel like he's been a truly hot candidate anywhere since that, like since then basically, but I think you could do worse than him. I mean, I, you know, if, if Boston college made that higher, I'm not sure I would look at that and say like, Oh, that's not going to work. Or, or, you know, Oh, that, that was a mistake. Like I, yeah, maybe like, well, how many, how many guys, and, and I mean this sincerely, how many guys turn up, when as rumored coaches every time there's an opening almost oh, like yeah. the portal yeah like a guy has a good season hell he must want to leave and you know there's so many guys that when they come up it's the la to it's the nfl to la theory oh this team's not drawn well they must they must be going this guy must be leaving you know that it's really weird because you never know how these guys think and click and like I, I think I have a greater appreciation appreciation for it since I started moving into more media type work and of you know hey yes a guy might be a high level coordinator and might be comfortable but it's one of those does he re- it might be uncomfortable but does he really want to move his family across the country mm-hmm. like that's that's one of those things that you can't answer like well if he wants to be a head coach it, well there are some guys that maybe don't like I'm just talking amongst three guys who work and have children. I would not, I would not want to be, I mean, I, I know I can be bought for the right price, but as an employer, like do, but do I really want to up and move my family to Dallas, you know, as an example, or do I want to move them to other parts of the country? Like that's not, not what I'm interested in. So once it's, it's really, really hard to project who wants to do what. Now that said, there's always going to be someone out there who wants to be a head coach more than anything else and has the ego and the, 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 the chutzpah to do it. If you give me my, my Yiddish grandmother terms, I got, I got a name for you, Dan. I know you probably didn't listen to us last night cause you were a little busy, but I threw a name out there that caught Joey a little bit by surprise that I know would love to be a head coach. Just maybe not necessarily at the college level. Uh-oh. Uh, he was a Boston college linebacker in the early two thousands. He's familiar with the New England area. Big he's Al. Been, he's been a head coach. <laughs> he's been a head coach. Not quite. He's been a head coach in the NFL. Brian Flores, Dan Rubin. 
<laughs> if you could get me Brian Flores here, if I could wish that one into Joey. Joey said that Blake James, if he made a call to Brian Flores, if Brian Flores says, "Yeah, let's talk," you wouldn't be able to get Blake James on a plane to Minnesota fast enough. If Brian Flores, if ever wanted to come to to be a head coach at BC, I would. Uh, look, he's is he's so loved, like. He's so he's such a beloved guy there too. Like it's full is a good egg. So that's, that that's would be a great slam. My name that will never I, I don't think will ever happen. But if he I mean, look, he wants to be a head coach, right? He's dying to be another in a head coach and be in another position in the NFL again. He's dying for it, right? He wants it real bad. And I think he'll eventually get it. But if he wants to try his hand at the college level, and I was telling Joey last night, like I think it would be really interesting. Like you have this Jeff Halfley hire, right? And he comes in, and we talk about how, like you mentioned it earlier, he kind of like evolved BC into like their next like era, right? He, you know, you had the Adazio that gets you back to bowl games and gets you back to consistently winning, and then you bring in Halfley, who's supposed to be this guy who's going to reinvigorate recruiting, and he did. You know, three of the top recruiting classes in school history from 24-7 sports came from Jeff Halfley. He did that. So a guy like Brian Flores, my pitch to Joey was like, every locker room he's ever been in, he has been loved. Players love playing for him. He can ske- He's an X's and O's guy, can scheme up a defense, right? Um, he knows the New England area, knows the footprint. If he put together the right staff, I think he can relate to kids, and I think he could be a type of guy because he's not really—he's not that old. Like he's the type of guy who could relate to college kids. I feel like, and he could be, I think, a pretty successful college head coach because we've seen him be a successful NFL head coach, and yeah. that's an entirely different skill set. Yeah, there's a really, really good point in there too, which is if he puts together the right staff. So that's the question that. So that's kind of the uncertainty and everything that goes with everything right now that just kind of stinks, like just stinks. Like this is the part of it that, you know, I like I said, I respect and admire somebody who makes the right decision for themselves personally, for their family, for them. Like I I learned in 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 business. No, I learned it my like my full time job. I went back and like when people would leave, there was nothing worse than when someone left and the boss man said like, you're making a mistake. Like that was the worst feeling in the world because you know, you're making a, you're taking a leap of faith and that's your best decision for yourself personally. But in the back end, when you have to make that decision, you have to make that decision knowing what's happening when you leave. And when you're a head football coach and you make a decision to leave, the part of it that just kind of stinks is I don't know what's going to happen with this staff. And I really like this staff. I think the staff is really good. I think the talent that's on this staff is incredible. I think there's a lot of good coaches there. Matt Applebaum was the offensive line coach of the Dolphins for a year and came back up and reinvented the offensive line this year. He was, he came back and like, he's, he's doing great. Rob Chudzinski became the associate head coach of offense, and he's got an NFL head coaching pedigree. You know, hey, maybe does he want to be head coach? I don't know. But Chud was was doing great, and you know, on his own, and then got asked because he was you know friendly with Halfley. I think Halfley worked for him, so you know that was something. Sean Duggan is an up and coming BC guy. He was a defensive coordinator, young, 
respected. Savon, the running backs coach, a great running backs coach, young, respected. Big Vince, who's the largest man I've ever met in my entire life. Vince Ogabasi. He is a defensive tackle at Duke, and he is legitimately the largest man I've ever met in my life. Defensive linemen love him. Now, I know the defensive line had problems, but he was a well-fit to the defense. Like This was a really good staff. And whatever your hire is, you know, that's another question. Do you want to keep most of the staff intact, or do you want to move on, or are you okay moving on? And that's been a question that BC had to face. I, I know that was, you know, back 2006 or 2007, whenever Jags got hired, uh, you know, do, did you want to hire Mark Whipple and have him bring in Don Brown to be your defensive coordinator at the time? Or did you want to keep Frank Spaziani as your defensive coordinator? I mean, this is almost 20 years ago now. Uh, so, you know, those are questions that that's part of the hiring process. And, you know, I remember when Steve Adazio left, it stunk because there were certain coaches that you really like that were leaving and were good coaches and were no longer going to be on staff. And, you know, that's, that's, that's the reality though of, of the, that's the reality of the job. It's the reality of, of the, the industry. And that's the reality of what's going to happen to BC in the future is whoever the head coaches is, is going to have to make the decision. Do I keep these guys? Do they even want to be here or do I leave? Dan, can you give us a list of names? If you know, and, and not Nick Saban, not you know, nothing, nothing too crazy, but you know, something that you think is realistic. You know, if if you had to come up with a group of four to five names that you feel any amount of mildly confident that one of them would end up being the name here that we we settle on here in the next couple of weeks, do you have a list of names? Just speculative again, just. You've said don't. You, you don't know much here. No, I don't. And that's part of the thing. Like if you get like, this is what we were talking about earlier, which is we, we do this live because that list. I mean, even if I were to throw five names against the wall, none of them, like they could all be on the list. They could none of them be on the list. I don't know. In 24 hours from now, my list could change. So that's, I think we mentioned last night, Jeff, stink. Jeff Halfley's name kind of came out of left field when they did this four years ago. Like well, wasn't expecting that I to begin like, with. Yeah. I, I, I was like, wait, what? When they hired him. The big who? thing was four, four, yeah, who? Uh, four years ago, I made the comment. Because, um, I mean, you were also firing a coach. Like, you were choosing to move on. This is a little bit different. Was four years ago, I was fine with moving on from a coach as long as the plan got you to where you needed to be. And... I know all of this kind of operates in like abstract, but I'm fine with him going if it gets you where you need to be. And it, it's always an opportunity to reboot and, and reset and determine what you want to be like. It's a good check-in. And I don't know what that means right now. And where it's only been 24 hours, I know a lot of people are saying, well, let's go get this guy. What about this guy? Here's a list and try to make it more realistic than, you know, Saban, Belichick, Flores, Vrabel, uh, the ghost of Vince Lombardi, and maybe coaxing Bill Parcells out of retirement. I don't know. What's but, Tom Coughlin uh, up to these days? Uh... <laughs> um, the or like, hey, they if they if they if this had happened sooner, they'd have hired Bob Chesney, who's at James Madison now, because he was at Holy Cross. And I'm like, brought that up. Yep. Yeah. I mean, these are all what ifs, and 
we don't know what's going to happen. So you don't even know if he'd have been on the list in the first place. Maybe he's not the right fit for this program right now. Maybe you you don't know. And because of that, it's it's like this is where we're at. This is where we're at in on February 1st, which is it's been 24 hours. I have no idea what's going to happen tomorrow. Does your list have Rich Rod on it? It really did have Belichick when I went to bed last night. Okay, <laughs> that, was, that, was, that, was, that was that was because I had some bad food, and it was one of those that was like, this is really how my – it really did have Belichick on it. Sounds like a fun fever dream. Uh, we don't know either. I mean, I put together a list of names – Joey's list was totally different. The only name that Joey and I both had was Bob Chesney. <laughs> and acknowledging that he was probably just going to stay at James Madison. So, but like, I mean, you, you could literally go anywhere you want. And I don't think hiring late in the cycle matters for Boston College. I said that to Joey last night. I totally agree with your take on that, Dan. Like, I think Boston College, like the guys they want to get, I think are going to be available. Like the guys they have their eye on, they will come to Chestnut Hill and coach Boston College. Like yes. I really do believe that. I don't care that it's February. I don't think it matters anymore. Like the NIL era has changed everything. Coaches jump into the NFL, jumping out of head coaching jobs for coordinator jobs at the P five level. Like up is down. I mean, I don't think it really matters. Well, and and like I said, like you look at all the, there's so many good coaches. Like Bob Chesney, earned earns a measure of notoriety because he's at James Madison right now, and he had so much success at Holy Cross, and he he did push BC to the limit this year. Like he was he was he was a, he's a good football coach, but there's a lot of good football coaches, and I'm not saying. That, you know, to say that Bob Chesney is good, not great. He could be great. He needs the opportunity to be great at James Madison and take over down there. But I'm saying, like, there's a lot of good football coaches who are waiting for their chance, who want this chance. And there's a lot of good football coaches who don't want the chance either because they're just at that point in their lives and careers where they just don't want to be a head coach or don't want to be the head coach at BC. They're waiting on something or they're not waiting on something. So for me, I can rattle off a dozen good football coaches that I don't think anyone's heard of along the way. And I can do it at every level of football. Like I could come I could come across and if and say like, hey, this guy's 32. He's a division two coach and he's an up and comer. He has experience with the Ivy League and he's experience over here and he's done this. Or who's the guy in Kentucky that everyone talks about? Liam Cohen, who's a mm-hmm. UMass guy. Cohen, yeah, he's, yeah. He's interviewing with the Bucks, but this guy's a good coach, and he's an offensive coordinator, and he was an offensive coordinator in the NFL. And mm-hmm. you know, and next year would he even be on the list? Last year would he be on the list? Like this is the there's a lot of good football coaches out there that people know their names, so that's why they become the like Holy Cross. After Bob Chesney left, Holy Cross hired the Merrimack coach. And I don't even know his name, but I know that Merrimack transitioned division two to division one had a reasonable amount of success. And he's a good football coach. Now he's being tasked to be a good football coach at Holy Cross. And when I say, I don't know his name, it's because like I said, it's not that he's just a guy. There's a lot of good football coaches out there right now. 
and I don't know, and let's be honest, it's pushing midnight, and I barely know my own name at this point. So <laughs> I know like seven head coaches' names that that I can that I, when I say I could name a dozen guys, I could Google them too. But because you're in your 30s with young children, you know, we, we're reaching yeah. we're reaching kind of the witching hour, so to speak. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just really hope that the child does not wake up at six o'clock, going screaming at my, and I'm going to spell it because it's in the other room. But when you have a 17-month baby screaming A-L-E-X-A nonstop at 6 o'clock in the morning, you're really living. Yeah, that's a uh, – Mike, I don't know if you've gotten to that point with uh, with your son yet. Google. When, uh, when, with when Google. The, yeah, when the kids – Hey, Google. Yeah, when the kids can start interacting with the uh, home automation system, it's a uh, – We're in hell. step up. In, I'm, in hell. Hell, I'm in hell. Hell is play Coco Melon. <laughs> yeah 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 although uh, you know you know you've made it when um people were rattling off names at me last night and the only thing that popped into my head was an actual coco melon song where i was like <laughs> i like your name wow <laughs> like yeah this is this is my life now yep <laughs> we're, we're so washed are so different than I they used were to be eight cool. years ago. We're so washed. We've come a uh, long way from Mark Rogers TV. Oh, God. We Shout were, out to Mark. Shout out to Mark. We were younger the then. The voice of college football. That's right. That's right. That's Our right. guy, Mark. Oh, Legend. man. He never aged. <laughs> no. Secrets. No. He's, he's yeah. never aged. That, that man is a machine. Yeah. yeah, he can he can produce some college football content. He is uh, committed he to is, the craft yeah. and very good at it. So not a single gray hair in his head. No, it's unbelievable. I I want what he's having. Yes, we'll, we'll <laughs> do that. Mike, I'm out. Anything else for Dan? I'm 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 out of questions. I don't know what BC is going to do. I'm with you, Dan. Yeah. I have no idea where they're going, what they're doing. I, well, I feel if, we'll be talking a lot in the next few weeks. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Yeah, you'll yeah. be back. You'll be back very soon. If nothing else, I think that one of the things I, I took away from our conversation last night, and I think it's kind of backed up with a lot of the things you've said here tonight, Dan, is that I don't think this is a job that there's only two to three names that I would hear that I would think, yeah, that could work. Like, I think there's dozens of names. Like, I, I think this is a job that somebody can succeed at, and there's a it, – it's not a particularly specific profile I think they're going to have to have. So I think – put it that way. I mean, there's there's a reason for optimism here that, you know, I, I think there's reason to believe that whatever they end up doing has a good ability to work out. I really do think that, and that's not me – you know, tone a company line or anything like that. I think the first 24 hours was shock, sadness, not thrilled. You know, now uh, now I'm looking at it and saying Jeff Halfley was very good to me personally, like as a as a football educator. You know, uh, he was, I brought a newborn onto a spring pra spring football Zoom. Like the baby was literally I I had shaved and I looked like a mess. And that and on there it's on YouTube when he's like, Hey, he cut off Rich Thompson from the Boston Herald. He's like, Dan's on with the baby. Like there I was with, with the baby girl on the uh on the Zoom and you know, when we with he was he was always he was always good about checking in and when I say good, like I don't expect it, but you know, he would he would ask me like, Hey, how your kids doing? and um, you know, how how's your wife doing, you know, recovering from 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 delivering a human into the world. And it was a in 
that's stuff that I personally will never forget. And I personally respected him and really enjoyed working with the program while he was here. Once I slept on it and had my three ice cream sandwiches last night because that left heartburn at five o'clock in the morning. Uh, also <laughs> late thirties. Um, but I woke up this morning and I was just like, all right, today's going to be a weird day. And as the day went on, it stayed weird. And now by nighttime, it's like, all right, gas pedals on the right. Let's see what this program can do. This program's got something under the hood. Let's see it. Didn't hurt that also Tommy Castellanos did put on his. Instagram I was gonna say that that probably that helped. That, that, <laughs> I was gonna say that that's one of those things that that puts a little pep in your step. Yeah, yeah, that that felt good. Yeah, uh, that felt good. Though he does need a little work with his air cannon. Um, after uh, he was shooting shooting um t-shirts at the basketball game the other night, and uh, I'm pretty sure one misfired onto the floor. So I'm I'm calling him out. That sounds right. That sounds yeah. right. Yeah. We've seen that a time or two on the football field. <laughs> I, I just I just slide that in there. Yeah. That's where I was going with it. Yep. Yep. Uh, yep. <laughs> Dan, this has been a lot of fun. As always, really appreciate you coming on and, and all of your insights. And yeah, as, as said, I mean, probably need to do this again in the next couple of weeks as uh, we get some more clarity on what, what the situation is going to be moving forward in the fall. But uh, for the time being, do you want to tell the people real quick where they can go find your stuff? Uh, bceagles.com will be got a lot of ba- a lot of basketball these days uh, but also which again kind of keeping the wheels moving and turning on on the seasons other seasons didn't stop as I said uh, next week we're actually diving into baseball and softball and uh, for the ACC footprint that knows absolutely nothing about the the fastest game on earth uh, BC is the number one team in the country in hockey and number two in women's lacrosse so those seasons are going to uh, next week starts the bean pot. It's a, it's a Boston tradition, BCBU, Boston college, Boston university's biggest college hockey rivalry, God's green earth. So it's um, it goes back hundreds of years, hundred years, 112 years or whatever it is. So, you know, tune in. It's uh, at BC Dan Rubin on Twitter uh, or X, whatever the heck it's called. Um, and you know, hey, we'll have some we'll have some fun the next couple of weeks. That much I know. It, you, it's like wait for the coaches. Coaching searches don't have to be miserable. They can be fun. Mm-hmm. They can be fun experiences. Just enjoy the ride. Let's just say you, you can feel a few things here, but one of them should be excitement. Yes, yes. There's hope. Yeah. There's always there's always hope to see what happens in the future. It does. It does. Like I said, it is kind of stinky that Jeff Halfley will not be the guy that brings you to the next phase. I mean, that is obvious. He's no longer the head coach, but whatever happens next is going to be exciting. And I do think this program has a, has a very, very high ceiling, especially because the ACC is uh, wide open. <laughs> wide By definition. Open. Yeah. I, I really want to uh, selfishly, I want Steve Adazio to the next head coach at Boston College, just so we can clip that. Just so we can clip the last like fifteen seconds. It's <laughs> real exciting. It's new era, you know. Yeah, I yeah, want just so bad. Can... Hey, you could have done a lot worse at the time. <laughs> that's absolutely. <laughs> hey, hey, listen, that's absolutely right. That is absolutely right. So I, yeah. I had positive experiences with him. That, that's the funny. Like I actually. I, I had a conversation. The last thing I'll say is I had a conversation at the Fenway Bowl 
where I had it pointed out like how much Steve Adazio actually did teach me about the game of football was because I started to see the game this year and like I was Scott was a quarterback and Scott played in NFL Europe and was on the Patriots with you know backed up Bledsoe and training camp and stuff like that and so he sees the game and I see the game completely different because I learned it from Adazio who was an offensive line coach so I see it over the ball out and Scott sees like what guys are doing and linemen and he understands like he very understands every single position but like he was pointing out like go routes and stuff like this and I'm like yeah and I'm here with my chili hot dog eaten fatty offensive linemen who are in shorts in 15 degree weather like these are my people like I'm, I'm learning but it's amazing how Steve Adazio taught me the game of football in press conferences and like when I'd ask questions he'd answer them and like how I see the ball ball like snapper out like center out offensive line out versus seeing like what receivers do in it's just kind of I have an appreciation for what he actually did you know teach me in four years I, I feel like there's only one thing we could possibly say about that. What's better than this? Guys being dudes. Bingo. <laughs> oh, fine. On that note, on that note, Dan, you're the man. Really appreciate it. Uh, we'll do it again soon. How's that sound? Yeah, we'll see you guys in a couple weeks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No joke. Look forward to spending a lot of time with you this month. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Uh, we're going to get out of here. We're going to come back and keep Preview, uh, recapping some teams, excuse me. Uh, in the meantime, you can come find us on Twitter. I'm at FTRS Joey. He's at Mike McDaniel SI together at BC Podcast ACC. Once again, at BC Dan Rubin on Twitter. Go find him for all your Boston College coverage. Uh, football, basketball, hockey, baseball, all those good things. Go find him there. And once again, at bceagles.com uh, on the uh, Boston College network. Go find him. Uh, iTunes, Spotify, all those good places. We're on there for uh, audio needs. We're on youtube.com slash at the ACC football podcast. This has been a live episode. So hit that subscribe button, hit the bell icon. You would have known we were going live and uh, could jump in the comments here. So appreciate the folks who did that. Uh, Mike, where else in the social medias are we? Facebook, facebook.com slash basketball conference rate review. Find most of our podcasts there. Instagram at BC podcast, ACC. YouTube.com slash at the ACC football podcast. Yep. Do that. Go find us. Subscribe button, like, all that stuff. We appreciate it. Mike, you want to come back and keep recapping some teams? Yeah, or talk to Dan again. Or talk to Dan again. <laughs> yeah. Something's going to happen here. We, we, got, we, do have one, we do have one additional recap tomorrow that we're recording. So we will record that before we talk to Dan again at the very least. But. I have a yeah. feeling we won't be recording many of these before talking to Dan once again. So, Assuming that Steve Adazio is not rehired in the next, you know, 18 hours. Yeah. If he's, I mean, we're canceling, we're canceling well tomorrow and, and bringing Dan back on uh, middle of the day. If that happens, that, that's a break. That's guys being dudes. That's, that's real breaking news. <laughs> that is true. That is true. Yeah. So. Will would understand. He would. Yes. <laughs> he would get it. He would get it. Uh, all right. Uh, Dan, Mike, it's been fun. We'll talk again soon. How's that sound? Let's do it. All right. Well, until then, for Mr. Mike McDaniel, Mr. Dan Rubin, I am Joey Weaver. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll talk to you again very, very soon. Until then, go Eagles and go ACC. Go ACC.